1: Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. In this episode, I interview Peyton Curley, who's also known as the social emotional teacher. Peyton taught for five years in third and first grade and is passionate about implementing strategies to help promote mindfulness in the classroom. She started the social emotional teacher as a side hustle and then she actually left the classroom to pursue it full time in 2017. Her business is centered around providing teachers with the resources they need to implement SEL in the classroom. And today we're gonna talk about how those strategies can actually enhance teachers' happiness levels as well. Hi, Peyton. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for
1: having me. I'm so excited to talk to you.
0: Peyton, tell me a little bit about what it is that you focus on. So my focus is entirely on
1: social emotional learning. So I'm very passionate about bringing those social emotional skills into the classroom. And I know a lot of that's kind of typically focused in more of a counseling setting, but I'm really passionate about having it in just day-to-day teaching. So I try to support teachers in bringing that into the classroom.
0: What are some of the basics of social emotional learning for teachers who have never really focused on it?
1: Yeah, so there's five kind of key components of social emotional learning, with the first being self-awareness, which is just kind of understanding kind of your own emotions and your reactions to things and how you function. And then it goes into self-management, which is Everything from managing your time to managing your emotions to setting goals and then relationship skills, which obviously is a very important thing in schools with friendships and treating people with respect. And then it goes into social awareness, so kind of understanding and respecting cultures. And then finally, responsible decision making, so knowing how to think through decisions and make the best decisions. So those are kind of the overall components um that are focused on in social emotional learning and um so i kind of just try to break those down for teachers that have never really heard of it and give them strategies for each component
0: the students right now as we're recording this are most of them are distance learning or virtual learning because we're in the middle of the pandemic and they're you know feeling more stress and anxiety than ever before have you seen a lot of teachers starting to implement social emotional learning to help with the students' needs this year?
1: Absolutely. I've seen so many teachers reaching out saying, okay, this is the time to implement social-emotional learning. And I mean, I think before it was hard because there's all this focus on testing and standards and everything. And this year, I think teachers are really stopping to think about, okay, what do these kids need right now? And honestly, I think all humans need some social-emotional support right now.
0: That's a really great point, how all humans really need social-emotional support right now. You know, the teachers that I've been talking to are so burned out, and this isn't a new phenomenon. You know, 2020 is, is bringing more stress than ever before, but this is something that teachers are constantly battling and facing with. How do you feel that implementing social-emotional learning into the classroom can help these teachers with their own emotions and regulate their own emotions?
1: Yeah. Like you said, this is a crazy year for teachers, but teaching is never an easy job. And it is, there is a lot of times a sense of burnout. And I think implementing social emotional learning helps the teachers kind of take a step back and examine their own feelings about things and the way that they manage their emotions and how they take care of themselves. So Taking the time to, its I mean, it's just like when you teach a new skill in math, you have to make sure you're an expert on that skill before you teach it. So when you take the time to teach social emotional learning, you're also really taking the time to learn social emotional learning. And I think that goes a long way for teachers in the classroom.
0: What would be like the first thing that you would teach a teacher who is burned out or completely stressed out to help them with regulating their emotions?
1: I think self-awareness is by far the biggest starting place for social emotional learning because you can take all these strategies about how to manage your emotions and how to interact with coworkers or students, but none of that really goes very far unless you have a genuine sense of self-awareness, which means really kind of being brutally honest with yourself while still, you know, loving yourself and respecting yourself, but really kind of analyzing what your own emotions are, what your triggers are, what makes you feel a certain way and how you react to those things. I think that's just kind of the starting point for all of it. And that can be it's a that's a hard journey. It's a hard place to start, but once you start working through all of those things, it just kind of leads itself to all of the other social emotional skills.
0: So with the teacher who's completely burned out and they can tell, you know, a stressor for them is working too many hours after school. They never feel like they're catching up enough. So they're very mindful or they're very aware of the fact that that's the trigger for them is is working these really long hours and never feeling caught up enough. What would be the next step that that teacher would need to do?
1: I mean, I think at some point it's important to stop and realize what you could be using your time for that could make you a better teacher. And I know the teachers who spend all of this time on planning and grading and everything, they're doing that to be the best teacher that they can. But a lot of times if they cut some of that time out and then instead spend it on you know, self-care or reflection or just s- sleep or relaxing, a lot of times that's what would actually make them a stronger teacher. So it's it kind of, it's and especially in the first year, that's a hard thing to do because I remember my first year teaching, I just felt like I had to be constantly, constantly working and I wasn't focused at all on myself. I was only focused on my students, but it actually kind of took away from my students. So I think just having the awareness that you have to pour into yourself before you can pour into your students is really important.
0: It sounds like a lot of social emotional learning is, you know, like focusing on I'm feeling this particular emotion. like I'm I need to realize I'm feeling grumpy right now or I'm feeling depressed right now and just being very aware of those emotions and what triggered those emotions but also how you can help find solutions to those emotions. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's a huge a huge component of it. And that's a hard thing to teach kids because it's really a hard thing even for adults to. I mean, nobody really perfects that. It's something that you're always working on and growing in. And it's not an easy thing, but it's something that, you know, the more, just like anything, the more you practice, the better you get. And then it can kind of influence other areas of your life in a positive way too.
0: So for the teachers who are listening, who are feeling really burnt out, how can this be a learning experience of how they model navigating these emotions for their students, but in a really professional way.
1: Yeah, so I think that's something that's tough because we get into the classroom and we feel frustrated or exhausted or overwhelmed. And we don't want our students to see any of those sides of us. And I think the truth is it's okay for our students to see us struggle. Obviously, we still want to be professional. And it's not like we want to go vent to our students or anything like that. But it's if, if you're having a tough day and you need to tell your students, like, hey, something's, something's bothering me today and I just need a little patience from you. or You know, it's good to have those honest conversations with your students because it teaches them that if they're going through something, they can communicate that to somebody else and it's not a sign of weakness or anything like that. I think our, sometimes we want our students to see us as these, like, Almost superheroes that have no challenges, know every we know everything, and we don't make mistakes. And I know especially, I know I remember feeling that way my first year because there's a lot of just like you almost feel like you have something to prove and it's all new. But once you can kind of just open up to your students a little bit and let them see that you're human, you kind of see them start to do that with each other and do it back. And it's just, it really just kind of models those skills for them and they follow what we do. I mean, they do look up to us even when we are being vulnerable or honest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like students are always looking for that opportunity to see their teachers as humans as well. Yes. Um, depending on the age, it really makes a huge difference when your students are able to see you open up and admit that maybe you made a mistake or <laughs> for sure. that you're, you know, having kind of a sluggish day and that you need a little grace from them. It makes them feel like you're more of a team and that everybody there is like a community and a family.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I've noticed, like, I've seen a lot of kids just terrified of making mistakes to the point that it really holds them back from reaching their full potential sometimes. And I think... When we show them that it's okay to make a mistake and that we can show them how to navigate mistakes and learn from mistakes, that really benefits them as well because it kind of takes some of that pressure and fear off of them when they see somebody that they look up to making a mistake.
0: I think uh, so many of the people that I talk to are thinking of transitioning into a new career. They're not 100% sure if that's the right move for them, but if they are finding this podcast or following me on Instagram, that's one of the directions that that they're considering. And something that happens with that is they feel really guilty right off the bat that they're not being as impactful as a teacher or they're not doing their student service. Uh, they're they're constantly really overthinking whether or not they're still doing a great job as a teacher. And, you know, teachers all went into this trying to impact their students. And it it really is something that I've seen a lot of people struggling with just mentally that when they're burning out or when they're thinking of the next step, are they still able to have that Really great relationship with the students in their classroom during that specific time. It's really important to them.
1: Right. And I can completely relate to that. I mean, I know when I, in my last year as a teacher, I was kind of feeling all of those things and wondering if I was in the right place or if I should be doing something else. And I did feel that really strong sense of guilt because I had felt like this was what I was supposed to be doing, this was like my calling. And I loved these students so much, but no matter how much I loved them, it wasn't necessarily what was the best and healthiest even choice for me. So I can completely relate to that kind of feeling of guilt and uncertainty, but I really think that there's so many other ways to still continue to impact students and kind of, you know, fulfill that calling in a different way. So it's it's important to know yourself, listen to yourself, and then follow what's going to be, I mean, it's at the end of the day, like it is your life and you have to do what's going to be fulfilling for you and what's going to make you happy every single day. So it's tough. Teaching is tough and it's a tough thing to kind of navigate when it's when it doesn't feel great, you feel guilty, and that's tough to navigate.
0: This is such a personal decision, and you know, ultimately, many of the people who are following me probably will stay in the classroom. If they end up making changes that help them fall back in love with teaching again, not everybody who's listening to this podcast is, are definitely going to be making that huge transition. So, I wanted to talk about how you think that social emotional learning strategies can help enhance their happiness as well.
1: Yeah, so when I really started to fully implement social-emotional learning in my classroom was really honestly at a point where I had already decided to make the transition to leave the classroom and focus on my business full-time. And then I, I kind of discovered the magic of social-emotional learning in the classroom. And I was like, wow. I wish I had discovered this, you know, two years ago or three years ago, and I think it would have completely kind of changed my teaching experience. Because when you start implementing those things and having those real conversations with your students and taking time to be mindful or taking time to reflect and be grateful for things, you really form a completely different relationship with students. And you start to see them have just kind of a different sense of confidence, different relationships with each other. And it really does change the whole classroom community. So it was almost like a lot of the stressors that I was facing when I was feeling burnt out, implementing social emotional learning lessened those. And of course, you know, nothing's going to make teaching an easy job and none of those things are going to just disappear. And there's always going to be challenges but it almost just felt like we were all allowed to be a little bit more human. And it just brought a sense of lightness into the classroom.
0: I love that you mentioned practicing gratitude because there's, you know, a science behind practicing gratitude daily. If you're really feeling very, very low, it can be hard to hear something like this without rolling your eyes and saying, oh yeah, sure that works. But there really is a science behind it on how it can help enhance mood and enhance happiness.
1: Totally. And there's this quote from Anne Frank that I always think of. And it says something like, um, think of all the beauty left around you and be happy. And for someone in her position to be able to feel that and say that, that has kind of carried me through some darker times because there's always something that you can find to be grateful for or to find beauty in. And I think when you can teach your students to feel that way too, it can really just bring a sense of just joy and gratitude in the classroom that can really make it a more positive experience for everyone involved.
0: How do you suggest that teachers go in every day with mindful intentions to help them enhance their mood? So mindfulness is, it's work.
1: You have to be willing to take some time to practice it. I mean, it's called a practice because it takes practice and it takes time. And it's just like mastering anything you have to put in the work. So I think a lot of times mindfulness is thrown around like this kind of magical quick solution, but it does take time. And I think it's, you have to expect that it's not going to fix things immediately, but if you take some time every day in the morning, and I would do this, like I used to do this on my drive to work, I would just I wouldn't turn on the radio or anything. I would just sit quietly in the car and I would think about, I would start to think about things that I was grateful for. And then I would set some intentions for the day, like maybe I'm going to be really patient with student X or I'm going to take a break during my planning if I need to instead of working the whole time or things like that. And then just sitting also in silence for a minute, because I think a lot of teachers don't take the time to do that. That can really shift your whole entire day. And then I think it's also important to kind of do that on the back end of the day too, and sort of take some time to reflect and think, you know, did I follow through with my intention? What could a potential intention for tomorrow be? Teachers are go, go, go all the time. And it is hard to slow down and quiet your mind and just think, And so I I really noticed when I started doing that on the front end of the day and the back end of my day, it really made a difference. And then also taking time during the day to be mindful with your students and teaching that practice to them, that made a huge difference in my classroom too. And I noticed that my students loved it.
0: Yeah. Can you give a couple of examples of how you would teach that to your students? Yeah.
1: So my last job, I taught first grade all boys. So imagine trying to get a room full of first grade boys to just be still and quiet for longer than five seconds. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. So I, it takes time. You have to build up. It's just like when you're teaching students how to read and you have to build up that reading stamina for them to be able to sit and quietly read for two minutes or four minutes or 20 minutes. You have to do the same thing with mindfulness. So we would start and I would just have them sit in their desks and Close their eyes and get comfortable and still. And I would turn the lights down and just give them 10 seconds. Just, I would give them something to think about for 10 seconds. Like, think about how you feel when the sun is shining on you, or think about how you feel when somebody gives you a compliment. And you just have them do little short increments and build up. And then we got to the point with first grade boys where they could sit for about 10 minutes being mindful. And every now and then I would give them a little. Um, kind of like prompt to think about to like get them refocused because it is hard to stay focused even for adults staying focused on your thoughts or whatever for about 10 minutes can be tough so it does take some practice and it's it's a process but they would ask for mindfulness time every day and there's tons of videos and things on YouTube and all kinds of resources that you can use, too, that would give some like guided meditations that kids love, too. But you can even do it, just like I said, just really simple. Just give them something to stop and think about and be still for a minute. So it's really not anything that's complicated or hard to implement. It's just a matter of taking the time to do it.
0: And when you're doing that, you see a behavior shift in your students but that also kind of gives you as a teacher a 10 minutes of meditation for yourself at the same time, right?
1: Absolutely, and a lot of times I would find that if I was getting frustrated with a situation or a student or just tired or something that I could take that time and I could refocus and then after that, even even if I just did it for a minute, after that, I was already a more effective teacher and happier to be with my students. So it's really benefiting the students and the teacher.
0: So every time student X started to do something that triggered you, you're like, hold on, it's mindfulness time again. (laughs) But
1: but, you know, when there is a big disruption like that in the classroom, a lot of times the other students need a minute to refocus too. So it really, I mean, like I said, it really does benefit everybody involved for the most part.
0: For me, I had situations with a lot of, you know, discipline issues or classroom management struggles that I personally had. And this is something that was absolutely missing because if something really big happens, I was kind of in a funk for the rest of the day. I was a little stressed out where I just, you know, wanted to push through, but I was not mindful about what was happening to my emotions. I never took the time to like breathe or calm down. So I wish that this is something that I had focused on when I was still in the classroom as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think stopping and being quiet is goes so against what teachers are used to doing because we have so much that we have to fit into the day and it does feel like go, 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 go. So we don't think like, okay, we'll stop and take a break. But really that you know, two-minute break can make the next 30 minutes so much more effective than they would have been if you had just
0: pushed through. Peyton, I heard you mention it and I wanted to touch on it a little bit more. You are no longer in the classroom. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah. So I taught for about five years and then I had kind of started this side business of creating resources for teachers. And then I really kind of fell in love with social emotional learning and focused my business on that. And I was one of those teachers that was feeling really burnt out. And I just felt like nothing, nothing I was going to do was going to make it better. And then, like I said, I kind of started to implement social emotional learning and saw sort of a light. But at that point, I was really, really passionate about bringing teachers resources for social emotional learning. So I took the leap out of the classroom. And I've been doing that for this is my third year now. And it's been it's brought me so much joy to be able to just talk to teachers about social emotional learning, because I really do believe in the power of it.
0: Yeah, I love showcasing stories of former teachers who are still passionate about education and still impacting education. And I feel like you're one of the prime examples of that, of You had the same struggles that many teachers have, but it doesn't mean that you walked away from education. You just wanted to impact and make a change and make things better for other educators.
1: Yeah. And I did, I did struggle with some of the guilt and uncertainty and everything else. And, and you know what, sometimes three years later, I still do. And I wonder what I could be doing if I were in the classroom. But then when I really stop and think about how I feel, you know, emotionally and my mental health and everything at this point. And then I also think about the opportunity I have to share what I'm passionate about, really on a larger scale, instead of just a classroom of students, I get to share with tons of classrooms of students. And It's been very rewarding. So I think it's all about really just finding what fuels you because this is really what fuels me and what makes me feel fulfilled every day.
0: You were wanting to have an impact on education. You were wanting to have a positive impact on students, which is why you went into this. But now you're able to impact so many more students because you pulled yourself away from the classroom.
1: I think the impact that a teacher has just in his or her classroom is massive. But there are opportunities to do different things if that's not what makes you feel fulfilled or if you don't feel like that's the right choice for you personally. So I'm really, really fortunate that I found something where I was able to still support students while also, you know, pouring into myself a little bit more.
0: Where did you start with creating your business? Did you start first on selling curriculum on Teachers Pay Teachers?
1: Yeah, I started on Teachers Pay Teachers and I started in about 2013, just really as a hobby and I was barely doing anything. And I just did a little bit more each year. And then I sort of had a a turning point where I shifted from just kind of general curriculum. I mean, I had math and reading lessons and everything. And that when I really started to feel passionate about social emotional learning, that's when my business shifted. Because I mean, there was there was a passion behind it. And I was pouring more time into it more energy. And, and I was just really, really excited about it. And that's when my whole business shifted. And it just sort of took off. So it's been really, really cool experience to see it grow and to form connections with so many teachers. And I do think social emotional learning is something that teachers really, really get passionate about. And I love to see that.
0: Yeah, I started a teachers pay teacher store as well. And mine was focused on project based learning, which was something that I loved implementing as a teacher. And so it was really fun to build curriculum on a subject that I was really passionate about. And one thing about Teachers Pay Teachers is it takes a lot of effort to get it going. But it is something that teachers can honestly make some legitimate side money on if it was something that they were interested in starting. I know that you also wrote a book. Is that true? Yes, I did. So I just
1: released a book. It is a growth mindset workbook for kids. It is officially on sale and you can find it on Amazon. And I'm so excited about it. It gives students um, kind of an overview of growth mindset and different elements of growth mindset, like learning to work through mistakes and being able to solve problems and think creatively. And then what I really love about it is that it gives students actual in-the-book practice for each of those skills. So I'm really excited about it. You can check it out. You can find it on Amazon, or pretty much anywhere that sells books online books a million or Barnes and Noble or anywhere like that. So I'd love for you to check it out. I'm really
0: excited about it. Yeah, and I'll link it in the show notes to make it easy for everyone to find it. Just to clarify what age group would be the most appropriate for this growth mindset book? So it is geared toward ages eight through 12. Are you ever thinking of doing other grades as well?
1: I don't know. This was really my first experience with writing a book. And it was something that I never really anticipated doing before. I do have a lot of resources for younger grades in my TBT store. So I think it's definitely possible that I could kind of move towards another book one day, but we'll see.
0: Thank you once again for taking the time to speak to everyone today is there anything that we're missing
1: I don't think so it was so good to talk to you and I love what you're doing to support teachers so I really appreciate you inviting me on
0: thank you so much Peyton thanks I'll link Peyton's growth mindset workbook for kids in today's show notes so it's easy for you to find. You can also connect with her on Instagram at the social emotional teacher. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you click subscribe and please leave a review. Leaving a review helps other teachers find this community and this support and many don't know that it exists. We'll see you on the very next episode of the teacher career coach podcast.